Hello, and welcome back to Reason for Hope. I gotta say, I love our title, Reason for Hope, because we mustn't forget that our hope rests in Jesus. Our happiness is placing our trust in Him, not ourselves, or anyone else for that matter. Hope keeps us from discouragement, which often moves us into places that are not healthy or very productive. So today is a good day. Although it may be difficult to see at times, you may be experiencing some difficulty in your life right now or doubting in God's power to heal. But that's exactly why you tuned into this podcast. There are no coincidences. You're listening because God wants you to listen right here, right now. And that's amazing. God's love is everywhere. And let me tell you, hope is alive. We just need to trust in Jesus that he will deliver his promises of joy, fulfillment, and salvation. So it doesn't get any more hopeful than that. So today, our guest is Lisa Hendy, and she's the founder of CatholicMom.com. And what a story she's got for us, and just her journey and how she started that organization in the first place. And also, David Heideck and I are going to talk about love, which includes the human body. And you got to check this out. You need to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so yet. And give us a good rating because that really helps us get the word out. So here we go. And let's grab on to hope. So today's topic is love includes the human body, and the body is made a sharer in spiritual love. This is from St. John Paul II's uh, exhortation, The Role of the Christian Family in the Modern World. So Dave, uh, tell us a little bit about the subject today. So in a previous episode, we discussed how the body reveals man. That was an interesting way of saying that basically I am my body. The body makes visible the invisible reality of me. But but when God created us in his image and likeness, he didn't make us just spirits or just bodies. He made us totally body and totally soul. So therefore, I can say that I am my body. Well, we also talked about in a previous episode that that to love means to give oneself. So to I want to give myself for the good of another. But if myself is a body then the body itself is created to love as God does. The body is made to, to be given as a gift. Now, this can happen in a variety of ways. I think that like uh, we can think about small ways in which this happens. Things as simple as washing the dishes or vacuuming the house or doing yard work can be ways of giving yourself in and through your body. Yeah. Clearly, uh, parents caring for a sick child is giving themselves in and through the body and also caring for that child in and through his or her body. Even people who, who are religious men and women like St. Teresa of Kolkata who would pick up you know, the bodies of people off the streets and care for them and wash them and, and uh, tend to their needs. They're all examples you know, of loving as God loves in and through the body. Now, the ultimate example of God's love is Jesus dying for us on the cross. But think about what's happening there. Jesus 
is giving himself totally to us in and through his body mm. by dying on that cross for us, by giving his flesh, his blood for us. And then when we think about when we're celebrating the reality of that love, when we're, when we're memorializing that gift of Jesus on the cross for us and our salvation, it's at the Eucharist, right? That's right. And what does Jesus say at the Last Supper? He says, this is my body given for you. This is my blood given for you. Now, it's interesting, in, in, he, in the Hebrew mindset, there was no distinction between um, body and person. So the body is like the part that stands for the whole. Mm. So effectively, when Jesus says, this is my body given for you, he's saying, this is myself given for you. This is my blood given for you. This is myself, my very life poured out for you. And so uh, when, when God sends his son to show us his love, the ultimate expression of that love is in and through the human body of Jesus Christ. So the thing I think that's really key here is that, that our bodies are made for love and that love itself has to, for human beings, include the human body. In fact, in the theology of the body, St. John Paul II said that the body has what he called a spousal meaning. And he defined that to mean the capacity to express love, the kind of love in which a person becomes a gift and by means of this gift fulfills the meaning of his being and existence. Wow. That's a powerful quote because effectively what it's saying is that loving as God loves in and through the body is the meaning of life and the key to happiness. All right, so Dave, if I hear you right, I mean, it sort of leads itself to us as sexual beings. Like, to me, logically, it's impossible to interact with someone on a sexual level without giving of oneself, or is it a contradiction? Maybe you can clarify that. Yes. Well, any time that I choose to give myself in and through my body, that is a giving of myself. I think uh, one of the difficulties today is that people think they can do something with their body and it's not really them doing it, or somehow they cannot be a part of it. So sex becomes just a recreational thing that gives pleasure to my body and somehow doesn't include me. That's actually impossible because you are your body. So if you give your body, you give yourself. This is a a very important thing too, I think, because it also relates to even the way we look at each other. When I look at someone's body, that's how I look at them. I think this is why when Jesus says something like, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart, this is what he's driving at. He's like, it starts with how you're looking at their body because that's how you're looking at them. So St. John Paul talks about how the human body has a language. Uh, Dave, can you discuss that a little bit? Sure. Well, According to St. John Paul II, our bodies have a language, and that language is supposed to express God's love. So this is a very important point in John Paul II's teaching in the theology of the body, that the language of the body is supposed to communicate truth and love. If it doesn't, then it's not doing what, in effect, it's supposed to do. The body isn't being what it's supposed to be, and that is a sign of God's love in the world. In that prior episode when we talked about 
love, we said that you can't have true love without the truth about what is good because love involves giving yourself for what is truly good for another. And so the body is supposed to communicate the truth. Hmm. It's supposed to tell the truth. It's not supposed to tell a lie. This is really important when you start to talk to people about, you know, why, for example, only spouses are allowed to be involved sexually with one another. Because if, if sex is two people giving themselves totally to one another in and through their bodies, that act of giving themselves totally to one another can only tell the truth if they have, in fact, given themselves to one another totally in marriage. So if they haven't communicated through their vows this gift of self first, then the sexual act, which is supposed to be a sign of that total self-giving, winds up being a contradiction. You know, So you're like saying one thing with your body, but it's not the fact of the matter mm. because you don't really belong to one another because you haven't exchanged vows. So the body can tell the truth and the body can also tell lies. So adultery, for example, that would be the body telling a lie. Sex outside the marriage bond is, is the body telling a lie. Contraception is the body telling a lie. Because if God created human sexuality with both a unitive and procreative meaning, both the unitive and the procreative are part of the very essence and truth of the conjugal act. And so contraception contradicts the truth of the conjugal act. Wow. So this is, a, I think, what St. John Paul II means by this language of the body, that our bodies are supposed to speak truth because they're really supposed to communicate God's love in the world. You know, it's really uh, very interesting stuff that you're saying, Dave. And, and it seems that our, our culture today, um, our bodies are used as a, almost as a temple of lust. It just seems that... Uh, in many ways, and I could see it, uh, you know, uh, in our movies, in our films, in TV, in music, that um, it, it's it's hurting the brand of love. It's almost like we're forgetting the true essence and meaning and purpose of, of what God intended love to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that we see is that everything's becoming transactional and consumeristic, right? Even like care for the body, it's sort of an interesting thing. Notwithstanding that we should care for our bodies because our bodies are us and and we should be mindful of our health, but so many people are so obsessed with like working out and like, you know, getting the six-pack abs. There's this sense that like, you know, I've got to get ripped, right? But like if you if you were to walk like in the checkout aisle at a grocery store and you see like Men's Health or something like this magazine, you know, that that that's not really about health. It's really about sex. It's about getting ripped to look a certain way so I can have sex. And, and, the, and the articles are all about performance, you know, like, and this is kind of where the, the culture is. And so instead of looking at the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, as bringing the, the invisible image of God visibly into the world, instead of seeing it as who I am, that when I give it, I give myself, instead it becomes like this, this instrument or tool that I use to 
to kind of satisfy my own desires or lusts. And that becomes very, very, very dangerous. And we start to look at each other a particular way that is that is really very destructive. Um, not only is the look destructive because it does violence to the dignity of the person we're looking at, but then it leads to acts that just kind of treat them as um, an object of appropriation. That, you know, I'm just getting what I want out of this. And you're getting what you want, and isn't that all cool? You know, if everybody agrees. And no, it's not. It's kind of like, because sometimes I'll have like a student say to me, well, well, if, if you both are consenting, then isn't that all okay? And it's like, no, then you're both treating each other like objects and you're allowing yourself to be treated like one. That's not okay at all. That's not, that's not a, a respect for the holiness and sacredness of the temple that's your body. Yeah. Well, listen, Dave, thank you so much. I mean, uh, for clarifying, I mean, this is this whole issue of love and sex is just uh, so confusing in our culture today. And I think clarity is something that is really needed. Uh, I think it's really important just to so people can experience what authentic love is supposed to be, how God has ordained it and what its purpose is in the first place. So um, thanks. And I want to hear more of this stuff in the future. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to call an old friend, Gene Zanetti, uh, who runs an organization called Spiritual Strength. Uh, he's a great traditional Orthodox Catholic man, uh, Catholic family man. Uh, let's see what he's got to say. One ringy dingy, come on, answer the phone. Two ringy dingy. Hey, Mario, how's it going? Gene, how are you? Good, good. How have you been? Uh, good. Uh, you got caller ID too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, there's no way of ever surprising anyone today, I got to tell you. So listen, you know that I started this podcast uh, a while back, and uh, I want you to be part of it. Are you up for it? Yeah, definitely. So Gene, I love this. You're responding to the fastball, man. You're swinging, and you're swinging hard. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Gene, just so our listeners know, I know that you're involved. You're a faithful Catholic man. You've been newly married, and you just became a father not too long ago. So uh, I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, tell me how you express your love, you know, uh, to the common person or fellow man. How how does Gene express his love? Personally, I guess first thing, just— knowing really what love is, right? And the love, we, we know from theology of the body and everything, there's the lover, the, lo- the beloved, and the love that they share together. So understanding that that love is that um, communio, right? But I guess the big thing is, yeah, so that in understanding that, the whole basis there, the foundation is you love other people and you love yourself for the sake of God. That's what's lacking a lot now these days. We know, you know, the first and greatest commandment, love God. And everything you do has to be under that aspect. Otherwise, there's something lacking. So I can't love another person. I can't love my wife. I can't love myself or my children to the maximum extent if I'm not doing it for the sake of God. That's what gives you the the, the supercharge, right? The grace, mm. really, <laughs> right. that'll push you further. But I guess on the more practical level, when I think about my family putting their needs before myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Our theme today on this podcast is to love through the body. Does that resonate for you? To love through the body? Um, well, we're just, we're not, we're not, we're not spiritual beings, right? We're body and soul composites. So we, it can't just be, of course it starts with an act of the will, but then you need to carry it out with your actions, with the way you speak, 
with the way you, the things that you do for the person. Yeah. It's got got to be total. It's got to be body and soul. Yeah, that's perfect that you had said that. I interviewed Peter Crave not too long ago, and that's exactly what he says. The body and soul are infused together as one, which is uh, you kind of hit the nail right on the head. You know, we're always, as parents, loving through our bodies, right? We're always sacrificing for our children. We're always doing something for them or staying up late at night, having them pick them up somewhere when you'd rather be in bed sleeping. It's a sacrifice, Taking out the trash uh, now <laughs> as opposed to later, <laughs> right? It's always nicer to do that later, but well, you that, get up and, and you're, you're, you're reading a good theology book and, okay, this is done yeah. and your needs are before mine. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. well, well, taking out the trash thing is just loving your wife, right? Because or also right. just tell you over and over, did you take out the trash yet or <laughs> did you put away the dishes? And Yeah. So uh, how are you enjoying fatherhood? Great. There's nothing better. Yeah, you know, I've wanted this my whole life, and now we're here. So it's just reminding myself that when you know you got to get up a little bit early or do some of the extra things, but it's great just seeing that just seeing the kids. It's I think back to like Rocky Five where he said to his kid, "It's like being born all over again because you get to see the world through their eyes now, yeah. which yeah. are very young eyes." <laughs> you know what helped me as a father is that I actually got to better understand how God loves us as our you know as yes. He is our Father. There's a lot of parallels to this um, because God's love is relentless. And uh, you think about your love for your child, right? Uh, That is also relentless. It's a beautiful uh, parallel understanding between the two. It it, it makes you grow much deeper in understanding what love is and to love your children. Um, That's awesome, Gene. I'm glad you're doing well. I want to wish you and your family all the best. And we talked about this, having you on, and uh, I love that you kind of just, you know, made it happen. You know, you just roll with the punches. (laughs) That's it. we got to be ready for anything now, especially this whole post-COVID world. (laughs) Right. right. Well, listen, Gene, thanks. Uh, Peace and love to you and your family. God bless you. Take care, Maria. So today, our feature guest on this podcast is Lisa Hendy. She's an extraordinary woman. She's the founder of Catholic Mom, and she's also a best-selling author of Grace of Yes, The Catholic Mom's Prayer Companion, and The Handbook for Catholic Moms. She is an incredible resource for women uh, raising their family Catholic and for young mothers. Let's welcome Lisa Hendy. So Lisa, how are you? I'm psyched, Mario. Thank you so much for inviting me to um, to have this conversation with you. I'm just really excited. Yeah, so are we. And uh, you've got a really interesting background and you've got a really interesting apostolate that I want to introduce the um, audience to. But before we do that, uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, your family life when you were growing up as a kid. Are you a cradle Catholic? Did you go to Catholic school, et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm the eldest of five children. Um, I am a cradle Catholic. My mom and dad were high school sweethearts who married right after they finished college, and I came onto the scene about ten months later. So, um, <laughs> wow, that's exciting. And um, and my parents were originally from Indiana, but moved out to California when I was an infant. So I pretty much grew up in California, and I've had just about as much Catholic education as you can have, all the way from preschool to graduating through the University of 
Notre Dame. Mm. Um, I met my husband, Greg, when I was uh, a junior and we were married in 1986 and Greg came into the church after about 17 years of our marriage. Wow. And um, I give the credit for that to our two sons, Eric and Adam, who are now well grown up, but but Greg made his first communion and received his sacraments the same year that our, our younger son, Adam, did. So all you catechists and teachers out there, if you think you're just teaching the kids, you're not. You're teaching the parents, too. <laughs> That's so. right. Well, was yeah. your was your relationship? I mean, did you always have a relationship with Christ and, and our Lord, or did you uh, have? At least for me, I'm speaking from my own personal experience that there had to be a point where you crossed the threshold where you started to actually fall in love with Christ. Was there a moment in your life when that actually happened and you felt like, oh, yes? <laughs> there have been multiple moments, but I really think um, around the season when I began my work on CatholicMom.com, which was when my children were in elementary school, my eldest was getting ready to make his first communion. And, you know, I went to one of those meetings where they tell the parents like, okay, we're going to get your kid ready for their sacraments, but it's really your job. And yeah. I kind of assessed for myself at that moment, like, how ready am I, am I to do this? I kind of intellectually know what I'm wanting to pass on to him, but what does this really mean to me? And right around that same time, I'd been very blessed to be an RCIA sponsor. Mm -hmm. If anyone ever asks you to do that, um, even if you're really busy, say yes, because you'll think that you're doing a favor to the candidate or catechumen that you're walking with, but you really, you know, for me, that was the moment at which faith was not just something that I did because I was kind of, you know, it was given to me like my freckles or my brown eyes by mm -hmm. my parents. It was my decision and my joy, um, really. And then at the point where I began the website, um, that was just, you know, falling in love in a whole new way with the church that I'd grown up in, but really didn't know, you know, super well. I was catechized in the 70s. And mm -hmm. so I had a lot of learning to do and it wasn't um, onerous. It was a joy. That's great. That's awesome. It's actually quite beautiful. So there was a period in your life where you felt a calling, right? And that calling was this Catholic mom organization that you founded. So you, you, you talked a little bit about it. Tell the audience what Catholic mom is, why you started it, and why you think there's a need in the church for it. <laughs> I started it directly because I went to that catechist meeting with my school second grade teachers, and they said, go home and teach your kids the mm -hmm. faith. And I, you know, went online and looked up Catholic mom. How do I, you know, what do I, how do I be a Catholic mom? How do I be a good Catholic mom? And th there was nothing, there was nothing out there. And so for some reason, instead of buying like the catechism and getting my Bible out the next day, I bought HTML for dummies and I registered a domain. <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing about computer work. Wow. I could, check my email and make, make a greeting card on my computer, dial up on AOL. And, you know, that was about it. But I felt as like passion. And I think I thought it would last that year, but the, the website continued to grow and evolve. And to the point where in 2017, we were actually acquired by Holy Cross Family Ministries, which is a beautiful organization that was founded by um, Venerable Patrick Payton. And so we now are part of their um, worldwide ministry. And, and 
we have about 150 writers, all volunteers. Wow. Um, our readership is is worldwide, and it's just continually astounding to me that this little work um, was so blessed. So Catholic Mom is a resource site, right, for mothers to become a mother in the Catholic world, per se, and, and be Catholic as a family. Maybe you can articulate a little bit what Catholic Mom's mission is and what its purpose is. Our mission is to walk alongside Catholic families and very much in the spirit of Father Peyton's, um, you know, thought or philosophy that the family that prays together stays together. Um, it started as a website, which eventually morphed into a blog, which has now become, you know, every form of social media, uh, weekly podcast, live streaming video, um, you know, just about every tool that's out there. We're always looking to what's the latest um, resource that we can use to reach the our audience, which is primarily, obviously, mothers, um, but not exclusively. We have male writers that write for us and religious sisters and priests who um, provide lots of resources. We try to minister to all kinds of family situations. So we have a lot of readers who are single mothers or adoptive or foster parents. Um, and no family is exactly like any other family. So it's a journey that's both big and also personalized. Yeah. And well, look, you know, as we have shared in other podcasts, you know, the family, the domestic church is really the the bedrock of our church. And it's so, I mean, the, that's where everything starts from is the family. How have you found that uh, in your own personal life with your with your family? Well, I'll say I'm very blessed because before I knew the term domestic church, I was raised in one. And I never have doubted that there is a God who loves me, who then gave me the mission to go out and love the world around me. That's that's never been a question in my heart. And I thank my parents for that. Our raising of our children looks different than what I grew up in. But I still hope that with my sons and now with a one daughter-in-law and another one on the way, that I hope that we share that for them now, um, that that's something that they understand in their lives, that they choose, um, that guides their life. But I'm constantly talking with them about, you know, how God is using them um, and, you know, how they are so blessed. And with that comes responsibility to share those blessings with other people. So I, I have a, another thing I want to ask you. So the topic of how we're called to love as God loves through the body, St. John Paul um, talks about that. Like, for example, a, a, a sick child, a mother will give of herself, or even through pregnancy, a mother is giving of herself through her body um, in this love. I mean, a man can never do this. And and how are, you know, how as parents, we love our children as God loves us. So maybe you can talk about what that means as a mother. Certainly. It's an interesting question because I think it actually, for me, also needs to start with my love for my own body. And a lot of the women that I deal with in ministry, this is a big thing. Like we think so much of giving to other people. Um, and sometimes we forget that God created us and that nurturing our own physical bodies and our own emotions and our spiritual life is critical to us being able to serve other people. Um, and, you know, 
if there's a woman out there who's ever eaten her kids' leftovers as she was getting ready to mm-hmm. shovel them into the trash and call that dinner, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, that so often we're so busy and we just, we see to everybody else except ourselves. And that's, so the, for me, when I'm talking about um, physical care, you know, it certainly is my care for myself too. And um, we may look at that as something that's, you know, extra. It shouldn't be. Um And I think for mothers that, you know, we give so much of ourselves to our children, they come from us. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Many of us breastfeed our children. We feel their pain at every age in their life. I can still look at my grown-up sons and see by a certain way that they hold their smile how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's a good answer to your question, but I'm just saying that we're wired that way. Um, We're wired as physical beings to love, to console, to nurture each other. And that's a gift. Um, It's a balancing act sometimes. Yeah. I asked her that question about, you know, how parents love their children as God loves us. I always think about, you know, that's like a perfect um, analogy, if, if it is an analogy, is that, you know, God loves us. If we could think of how God loves, just think about how we love our own children, you know, and, and that's how God loves us. So um, I, I guess one last question I wanted to ask you, you know, given um, the the status of our culture and the— um, the polarization of our country, and even the division in many families. Um, I think evangelization or sharing the faith or letting people know that God is real is ever the more important. Um, Can you, you know, share at least your role and your apostolate and what you do and how important it is to uh, disseminate to our culture, to our church, you know, who God is? Yeah, this is um, really, I think, an evolving challenge for all of us. I mean, certainly I began my ministry online way before there was Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, so it's been a, a evolution in learning, you know, how to minister in these ways. I'm always very cognizant, and maybe this is because I watched my husband come into the church, um, of people who interact with me that maybe don't know the church or don't know God's love. And so my aim and my work and my ministry work or my mission is to be encouraging, uplifting, open, to be an accompanier of people right where they are. Um, I watch some of the people that I respect very much who are very didactic in their work, and that isn't my style. Um, I hope that eventually it comes to that um, when I get into a deepening relationship with someone. But I'm always very conscious of the fact that many of the people that I interact with don't come from the same frame of reference. And so I don't, I hope that I don't hide who I am as a person of faith, but I also hope that I'm, I'm open enough that they would feel comfortable coming to me. And many of them have um, with questions or concerns about things. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, uh, Lisa. It was really uh, enjoyable spending this time with you, sharing with you the faith, just sharing the love of God that we have for our Lord and and hoping that uh, we can make a difference, right? Absolutely, and so grateful. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. All the music you hear on this podcast was created by Array of Hope. So subscribe to us on Spotify and all the other music platforms if you like. Also, join us on social media, where we keep you engaged through our music, videos, and daily reflections. 
We talked about a lot of stuff in this podcast today. So you might have some questions on the teachings of the Catholic Church, or maybe some concerns about the church or your faith, or anything you want to talk about. You can send us a question at podcast at arrayofhope.net, and Dr. David Heideck will respond on an upcoming podcast and try to answer your question. This podcast is only made possible by donors and supporters of Array of Hope. You can become part of the Array of Hope family by going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.net. So our theme next time will be Eros and Agape. Mamma mia, what is that? Well, it's about love, of course. Everyone is interested in this subject, so you're going to have to tune in. And we have an absolutely all-star amazing guest, an expert on the theology of the body, Christopher West. This is going to be an amazing show. You can't miss it. So listen, thanks a lot for joining us today. And there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.